With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. RingCentral, simpler communications. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. On the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN. Also presented to you by Belly Up Sports. And we're coming to you guys today. You're listening to this on a Tuesday morning where we talk about the Sunday Night Football Recap, the Monday Night Football Recap, and of course, the all-important waiver wire report getting us all set up heading into the next following week. So excited it's also one of our shorter shows of the week because not as much to go over, but doesn't mean it's any less important as we got a pretty stacked waiver wire report, especially compared to last week, I would say. Where last week, I think my overall advice to you guys was if you could save your fab, if you could save your priority to go ahead and do so. And hopefully you did because you might have set yourself up nicely for this week's waiver wire, which could be very important heading into week eight, which pretty much kicks off the start of the playoff race, essentially, for your leagues. Because now you're sitting in a situation where you only have about six games left. We're just past the midway point now with Week 7 getting put behind us. And now it's pretty much do or die, live or cry, baby. So we got the Sunday Night Football recap we're going to talk about with you guys first. What a great game this was. I had to stay up extra late because it was such a great game. You couldn't turn it off. It was going into overtime. Arizona Cardinals wind up pulling off the miracle. 
making the Seattle Seahawks no longer undefeated, 37-34. to Very exciting game all the way to the end, and you're so amped up after the game. I'm not even a fan of either one of these two teams, but just from a fantasy standpoint, you're so amped up after the game. And it took me like another hour to go to bed. It took me forever to fall asleep, honestly. And I'm on the East Coast, so I was up late watching this one. But the Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray coming through for you guys on fantasy football purposes. My goodness, 360 yards, three touchdowns through the air, but also tacked on 67 yards on the ground and a touchdown as well. Look, he doesn't always look pretty. Remember against Dallas, he was 9 for 24, but he will always get you those fantasy stats. And when you're going up against a team like Seattle, which could be a shootout no matter who their opponent is, You know Kyler Murray was going to have a great fantasy day, but I don't think anybody expected him to have this kind of a day. It was absolutely incredible what they were able to do. The one piece of bad news, though, we do have to talk about is Kenyon Drake. We were able to find out some more information today. We're recording this late Monday night, right after the Monday night game. And he went down with an ankle foot injury. The MRI results came back in case you didn't see it. If you follow us on Twitter, you already know about it, at BellyUpMDFF Show for the player news update notifications. But unfortunately, he tore a ligament in his foot. They are treating it as if it is a high ankle sprain. It's quite possible that by the time you're listening to this, and sometime Tuesday or by Wednesday at some point this week, we will see Kenyon Drake head to the IR. If they're treating it like a high ankle sprain, then we know that the timeline very well could wind up being at least four to six weeks, if not more. That makes Chase Edmonds a must-play. Now, they go on a bye week in week eight, but when they come back in week nine, Chase Edmonds is going to be a high-end RB2, if not a low-end RB1, because frankly, when he has gotten opportunities this season... He has looked more explosive than Kenyon Drake, and we've kind of been waiting for him to get his opportunities because he's actually been performing really well, not just this season, but he performed well last year when given the opportunity as well. And he definitely looks like he's taken his game to another level. He definitely looks like he has developed a bit more since last year. He looks like, to me, he's ready to be the bell cow for this team. And I question now, frankly, Being that Kenyon Drake has struggled so far this season and just hasn't quite looked like himself, hasn't quite looked like his explosive self, Chase Edmonds looks more like the Kenyon Drake of last year. What happens when Kenyon Drake comes back? Is it possible that Chase Edmonds never gives this job back up? I think that is within the realm of possibility. Now, Chase Edmonds does not make the waiver wire report. However, if he is available in your league, he's the top waiver wire. He is the guy that you got to spend absolutely 100% all of your fab budget on, your top priority on. You go after him, come hell or high water, no matter what, if you have the chance to go ahead and get Chase Edmonds. But he's already highly owned because he was already a guy who a lot of people are looking at as he might overtake Kenyon Drake at some point because of the way he had been playing and a high-value handcuff at that, especially since how he has looked himself, like I said, when given the opportunities to do so. Five carries for 58 yards in this game, seven catches for 87 yards. He can do it all. So Chase Edmonds is somebody we're going to be very excited about after we get into the week eight by coming out into week nine. Now, as far as wide receivers go, DeAndre Hopkins, who has been a bit limited the past two weeks, a bit a little bit disappointing from a fantasy standpoint because he's been dealing with an ankle issue, did not disappoint in this game. 10 catches, 103 yards, and a touchdown on 12 targets. 
Looked more healthy this week than I've seen him the past couple of weeks as well. Of course, being covered by Seattle secondary will do wonders for you as far as being able to get open on a consistent basis too. Larry Fitzgerald. We had a Larry Fitzgerald sighting in this one. Eight catches, 62 yards on eight targets. He's still nothing of relevance when it comes to fantasy football purposes, though, but it was just kind of nice to see the old veteran getting out there and making an impact on a game that had such heavy divisional implications for these guys. So it was just kind of nice to see him out there, but he's nothing you're going to be paying attention to for fantasy football purposes. The other receiver that you are going to be paying attention to for fantasy football purposes coming out of this week other than DeAndre Hopkins, is Christian Kirk. Five catches, 37 yards on eight targets, tied with Larry Fitzgerald, but had two touchdowns. He now has five touchdowns in the past three games. When they come out of the bye, they're playing Miami. It's another plus matchup. Christian Kirk is going to be a wide receiver three. I have talked about this last week. I talked about this going into uh, this, this matchup. I talked about this on Friday. I said, Christian Kirk is somebody that you can go ahead, pick up, and play him as a wide receiver three, especially in this matchup, in a plus matchup, but also because he is somebody who has now established himself as predominantly the second wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins. We were waiting for somebody else to establish themselves. We were waiting for somebody else to come along. It wasn't going to be Larry Fitzgerald. We know that time has passed for him at this point. Somebody else is going to have to establish themselves as a second weapon. Christian Kirk did that in this one. I mean, he's been doing over the past few weeks. This just ensures that you can look at him in that light moving forward, and they have some plus matchups on the horizon when they come out of the bye week. So Christian Kirk's going to be somebody you can go ahead, pick up, and play, and he's going to be on the waiver wire program. We'll talk about that in a little bit while uh, later on in the show. But somebody definitely to keep your eye on right now, somebody who's definitely very hot, and I think he's just going to continue the streak, maybe not two touchdowns every week, but continue the streak in the sense of he's going to be a valuable asset coming out of the bye. So let's switch over to the Seattle Seahawks. We'll kick that off by talking about the injury news and Chris Carson. Now he leaves the game. He had five carries, 34 yards. He looked like he was on his way to having a really good game. That's really the sad part of it and probably would have had a great game seeing how this one actually wound up going. Unfortunately for him, he suffers a midfoot sprain. Now they're calling it minor. They're calling him week to week. It's a pretty good shot that he's not going to play this week. But he could be back next week. So he may, you may not be without Chris Carson for too long. That's the good news. The bad news is that you probably won't have him this week upcoming in week 8. Carlos Hyde will be the handcuff. Carlos Hyde had a nice game in his stead. Now there are news reports coming out that Carlos Hyde himself has a hamstring issue. From what I understand though, he had a hamstring issue going into this matchup. And he didn't come out of this game. He finished it all the way through, all the way to overtime. So they may just be saying, yes, he's dealing with a hamstring issue, but I don't believe it's something that's going to keep him out of this week. And it was something he was already kind of dealing with, and I didn't hear anything about him having a setback. So as long as that's the case, you better believe we're going to talk about Carlos Hyde a little bit later in the waiver wire report, but he's somebody who's going to be a must-own heading into this matchup and could be looking at low in RB2 status because of the volume that he could be seeing going into this game. Rashad Penny's not going to be back yet for Week 8. They've already come out and said that. So let me keep my on, and somebody else we're going to be talking about later on in the show. Russell Wilson, you know, never disappoints you from fantasy football stand. Not this year. He's he's just having an MVP year. I think Russell Wilson. I talked about this one thing. I was always concerned about when it came to Russell Wilson, especially as we were going into the season, is that he tends to have this streak at some point, whether it's in the beginning of the year or seemingly at the very end of the year, where he'll go on this three, four game stretch where he kind of just disappears from a fantasy standpoint. 
He's playing too well this year. He's playing on an MVP level. He's on another level in his game. He's throwing the football at a high volume. And the other part is that with DK Metcalf now taking the next step up in his development, having Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are just too good receivers for Russell Wilson to ever go on a cold streak this year. So I think it's going to be the first year that Russell Wilson does not have a stretch at some point during the season where all of a sudden he's not coming through for you. I don't think it's going to happen. In this game, 388 yards, three touchdowns, tax on 84 yards on the ground. Absolutely phenomenal. Now, for the game purposes, he had three interceptions, and that's a big reason why the Cardinals wound up pulling it out at the end. From a fantasy standpoint, you don't care. Even if it cost you some points, you still had a ton out of Russell Wilson in this game. He still won you a lot of leagues in the Sunday Night Football game. And Tyler Lockett. I want everybody to go back to last week and remember when everybody talked about how this had become DK Metcalf's wide receiver court. Like he was the wide receiver one now in Seattle. And I kept cautioning everybody. I said, look, Tyler Lockett's not dead. Tyler Lockett didn't disappear. Tyler Lockett has the rapport with Russell Wilson. He is the most trusted wide receiver in clutch situations. And this was a game in which he got all the targets. Now, this isn't something that's going to happen, again, moving forward as far as him getting 200 yards and DK Metcalf only getting two catches for 23 yards. But it became a matchup situation where they just went after Kirkpatrick. There there was just no reason for them to continue to attack Patrick Peterson. Now, here's what I will say. Tyler Lockett did have two big catches where he was covered by Patrick Peterson. But for the most part, he did a lot of his damage because Kirkpatrick or Byron Murphy were on covering Tyler Lockett. That's why he has such a huge game. They're just looking for him all over the place. And I had a feeling coming out of the bye that they were going to try to get Tyler Lockett going after he had two kind of disappointing games going into the bye week. 200 yards, three touchdowns, 15 catches, 20 targets. 20 targets. That's a number you're just you're not going to see again. But Tyler Lockett reestablishing himself as a low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two, along with DK Metcalf being a low-end wide receiver one. Most games, both of these guys are going to be able to eat. It's not going to be so topsy-turvy where it's, oh, it's completely the Tyler Lockett game or completely the DK Metcalf game. For the most part this season, they've both been able to eat together. And I know there's been a couple games here and there, it's been one or the other, but for the most part, they've been able to eat together. And you continue to play them as must-starts moving forward. Obviously, we're not worried about DK Metcalf. This is just a crazy game. And honestly, it had not been for a holding penalty at the end. He still would have wound up with a pretty good stat line because he almost scored a game-winning 50-yard touchdown in overtime. So obviously, we're not going to be worried about that. The big things to kind of take out of this game is Carlos Hyde moving forward at least for Week 8. And we'll talk about in the waiver Wire Report exactly how we value him moving forward. Outside of that, there's nobody really of note the tight ends are really not a consistent part of this offense. Greg Olson, two catches, 18 yards. Will Disley had two catches for 38 yards. They're kind of rotating. Jacob Hollister even got involved in this game. Three catches, 22 yards on three targets. They're just rotating the tight end position too much for any one particular guy to really establish himself as having any kind of value. This entire offense is built around four players. It's built around Russell Wilson, Lockett, Metcalf, and Chris Carson when he's healthy. That's it. And they're putting up great statistics, but that's who's involved. Anybody else is nothing you're going to trust from a fantasy standpoint on a week-to-week basis. So that wraps up the Sunday night recap for you guys. We can go ahead and jump into the Monday night football recap between the Chicago Bears and the Los Angeles Rams. 
And I must say that this was a really boring game to watch. I mean, frankly, it was 24 to 10. Chicago's offense is probably the closest thing to the Jets out there in the NFL as far as actually watching from a predictability, from a vanilla, from an uncreative standpoint. I mean, Matt Nagy does no, not that Nick Foles is any good, and I'm not a Nick Foles fan by any stretch of the means, but Matt Nagy does his offense absolutely no favors. Nick Foles is getting pummeled out there. There's nobody coming in as an extra blocker. There's nothing that they're trying to do to get more power formations or try to mix up the formations in any kind of way to give the defense different looks. It's literally just Nick Foles. You line back up and shotgun and just get killed on every play. And everyone sits back and wonders why David Montgomery's efficiency isn't very good. This offensive line is terrible. Matt Nagy doesn't know how to get his guys in the prime position. He doesn't know how to do motion. He doesn't know how to get mismatches. He doesn't know how to show the defense different looks. This is a guy that was supposed to be one of the promising offensive play callers when he left the Kansas City Chiefs. And I have to do nothing besides the one year, his first year with Mitchell Trubisky, besides that one year, pretty much want to blow my brains out every time I have to watch Chicago run an offense. And it was no different in this game. And people sit back and wonder, like, you keep getting into this quandary where you you, ha- you have to play David Montgomery as a, as a low-end RB2 because the volume is there. I mean, he had five catches again in this game, 21 yards, five targets, 14 carries, 48 yards. He's getting 19 touches a game pretty much because he's been actually involved in the passing game since Tariq Cohen uh, has left and you have to play a running back who's getting 19 touches in the NFL but it's the most abysmal 19 touches of your life and he gets set there wondering like why did I play David Montgomery again you're basically hoping that he falls into the end zone or that you're in a full point PPR league now with David Montgomery because otherwise you get left there like great I have to play you yet again and great, I once again got nothing out of you. But I can't I can't blame him. I don't I don't think David Montgomery's woes, his inefficiencies as a running back are all his fault. I don't even think it's fifty percent his fault. I think it's sixty percent fault Matt Nagy, twenty percent fault the offensive line, and then twenty percent to David Montgomery. That's literally how I break it down on a hundred percent scale on who's to blame for why David Montgomery is not better than what he is. I mean, Matt Nagy, I know this team is technically 5-2, and two, but the Bears, I'd be willing to bet right here, right now, that the Bears finish with a losing record. I'm willing to bet that they win no more than two games the rest of the season. Because they're not really a 5-2 and two team. Let's be real. Nick Foles is a joke, although he's probably better than Mitchell Trubisky. 28-40. The only thing good about Foles to this point has been getting the ball to Allen Robinson. And in this game, Robinson only came away with four targets. Now, you knew this was going to be a tough matchup for him because you knew he was going to see Jalen Ramsey for at least quite a bit of his game. Ramsey doesn't, he doesn't shadow, but you knew he was going to be lined up on Jalen Ramsey for a good part of this game. And that's what wound up happening. Still turns in 70 yards, so he doesn't kill you fantasy-wise, but you definitely didn't get your Monday miracle. That's what you're hoping for. He goes down with a concussion in this game or has to be taken off the field because of the concussion. He's going to be okay. He looked like he came back on the field. He's going to be all right. Jimmy Graham, five catches, 31 yards, but he's a tight end who gets six targets in this game. He's a tight end who's been getting six to eight targets pretty regularly. The Bears were just, they were never really in the red zone, I think, except for once in this game where Nick Foles threw a pick. So Jimmy Graham, he's going he's gonna to live or die if he gets a touchdown. And that he has somewhat of a floor, 
because of the target volume that he's been seeing when you compare that to the rest of the tight end. So he's still going to be there as a streaming tight end. There's just there's nothing I want to watch on the Chicago Bears offense. Al Robinson, Jimmy Graham, David Montgomery are guys that you could talk about. Allen Robinson should have better days ahead. Again, this is a guy that before this game had been seeing double-digit targets. So he continues to be a volume-based wide receiver too. I know Allen Robinson wants to get paid, but man, for his sake, I hope he gets the heck out of Chicago. I really do. I hope he's able to go somewhere where he can actually have a real quarterback. Think about how good Allen Robinson will be if he ever has a legitimate quarterback. This is a guy who went from Blake Bortles and was looking like a stud, hurts his ACL, goes to Chicago, has a deal with Mitchell Trubisky, now he has a deal with Nick Foles. Go to where you can have a quarterback, man. I want to see you actually be at your top potential and play that way because, man, he's a good receiver who just gets held back by the unbelievably crappy quarterback play. But nothing really changed from a fantasy standpoint on the Chicago Bears side. Move on to the Rams. A nice bounce back game for them. They always play much better at home. Always. Even even though there's no crowds in the stands, even though there's real, you know, quote unquote, no actual home field advantage as far as your audience goes, they always still just play better when they're in Los Angeles. Plain and simple. Jared Goff was fine in this game. I didn't expect a big game out of him to begin with. 219 yards, two touchdowns. He had a clean game. That's what we were looking for at Jared Goff. He had a clean game. He is going to have days where he's a streaming quarterback option for you when they have better matchups. Dale Henderson got rocked a little bit in this game, but he was able to come back, finish, came out for a few plays with a calf injury, or listed as a calf injury, but he was fine. He came back in the game later on. Led the way again in carries, 15 carries, 64 yards. Malcolm Brown, however, was the guy who wound up with the touchdown. He had 10 carries, 57 yards, and a touchdown in this one. Cam Akers, not one carry. Not one carry for Cam Akers. Absolutely brutal. If you're in redraft leagues, I don't know how you can justify having a roster spot for Cam Akers. It'd be one thing if he had one player to leapfrog. Being that Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown are clearly playing ahead of him on a week weekly basis, even since he's been back from the injury, I don't know how you have Cam Akers on your roster. And we're not going to send him down to Fleshtown because he's less than 50% on it anyway, on average. Because I have figured that out when I went through the waiver wire report. And I'll do you one better. I didn't even put him on the waiver wire report finding out that he was less than 50% average. Because you can't justify the roster spot. And that was before this game even happened. Daryl Henderson continues to be a low-end RB2. Because, you know, you just any given week, you don't know if Malcolm Brown might take over. Or if Cam Akers might get a little bit of run. It's, it's still a little bit of a roulette situation. Enough so where I'm not comfortable making Daryl Henderson higher than a low-end RB2. Malcolm Brown is a desperate flex play. I know he winds up with the touchdown in this one. It's the first game in a while where he's actually been really fantasy relevant, to be honest. He's nothing more than a desperate flex play. Nothing more than a handcuff, if you will, to Daryl Henderson. Henderson's the guy. He's who you want to own. Josh Reynolds is actually the wide receiver on the day. Eight targets, four catches, 52 yards. Has a touchdown early on in this one. Going into it again, Chicago's defense is very good, and the way they play defense is not very conducive for guys like Cooper Cup, guys like Robert Woods to have good games. They play a lot of zone where they come up and make tackle. You're not really going to catch them 
too often where you're just going to be making them miss not playing fundamental football. Now, I will say, though, they had a tough time tackling the running backs in this game. They missed a lot of tackles in the red zone. But for the most part, usually how they play is they're going to play a little bit safe. They're going to play a little bit of a soft zone. They're not going to let guys like Cooper Cup, guys like Robert Woods, get open on them deep. They're not going to let them get open in the intermediate part of the field on the outs. And, I mean, with the Rams, with the way they played and with the way Chicago was playing, I mean, they just they didn't need to put their foot to the... They didn't need to put the pedal to the metal. Cooper Cup, six catches, 43 yards on six targets. Robert Woods, three catches, 22 yards on five targets. Better days are ahead for both of these guys. I should mention Robert Woods also had 23 yards on the ground, and Cooper Cup had 16 yards on the ground as well. Better days are ahead for both of these guys, but you just knew this was a matchup with the way that Chicago plays defense and the way the Rams play this really intermediate offense at best because they don't really have a deep threat. They're not showing that kind of level of attack. They're not attacking all three levels. They're attacking two levels. They're attacking short and they're attacking intermediate, which plays right into a fundamentally sound, strong front seven type of Chicago Bear defense, which is why I figured Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are going to be a little bit limited. That's why they're more ranked as wide receiver threes for us coming into the week than wide receiver twos. But better days are ahead. Better days are ahead. Gerald Everett, I'll mention him real quick. Four catches, 28 yards, a touchdown. Tyler Higby was inactive in this game. Inactive, a surprise inactive right before the game started. We're going to have to find out more about what's going on with Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett moving forward as we go into the week. Make sure you're following us on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow. Now it is time for my favorite part of the show, which is the waiver Wire Report. Because this signifies a lot of things. First of all, it is about your team getting better each and every week. Hopefully you're doing that as you listen to this show. But it's also about putting week seven behind you, putting the previous week behind you, and moving on to the next week, which is week eight in this matchup. And that's what I look forward to most of all, heading into the week's Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we got a pretty nice waiver wire report for you guys here. We're going to work backwards from least owned to most owned, obviously all under 50% owned. And this is 50% owned on average throughout all the major platforms, ESPN, CBS, Yahoo, NFL, average them all out. And I get the guys that are under 50% owned that are worth going after, which is why a guy like Chase Edmonds is not on this list, but because of his importance, I do want to make sure I stress to you guys out there to just check your leagues to see if he is available in your leagues. Don't miss out on a guy like that, and he would be my number one priority over everybody. But being that he's not on this list, being that he is more than 50% owned on average throughout all the major platforms, we're going to start off with the guy who's least owned on the list, which is Richard Higgins, less than 1% owned, widely available, OBJ, done for the year, torn ACL, very unfortunate. Talked about it yesterday that it was probably going to be something major. That's what the team had feared. And while most of the targets will go to Jarvis Landry, Rashard Higgins is somebody who becomes 
a low-end wide receiver three, high-end wide receiver four, because now he's in position to see somewhere between six and eight targets a game himself. So he becomes an interesting add. Now, he's not somebody I'm, I'm spending fab on. He's not somebody that I'm using a waiver priority on. He is somebody that I can pick him up for free, and I need to plug and play somewhere. My flex, I need to plug and play at my wide receiver three. He could be an option for me because of the volume that he will see in a matchup-based uh, game. That's what you can use him for. Less than 1% owned, he'll be widely available to you guys. I don't think you're going to have to break the bank or do anything crazy to go ahead and get him. Harrison Bryant, we're sticking with the same team. We know Austin Hooper probably won't be back till week 10. Yes, Cleveland has a bye week in week 9, so you may only get one more week out of Harrison Bryant, and he's a tight end streamer at best. So again, I'm not spending fab on him. I'm getting him for free. I'm not spending a high priority on him, but he is a streaming-worthy tight end. I'm working on my rankings, of course, as we speak. They're usually up by Wednesday night on the Belly at FantasySports.com website. And he'll probably be within my streaming territory there. He's been scoring touchdowns even before Austin Hooper went out. He scored two more in this game. He's He played well ahead of David Njoku in this, in this past matchup. They still may be looking to trade David Njoku. We'll have to see if they feel confident. They're definitely going to get Austin Hooper back when they need him. They might go ahead and pull the trigger on that because it's just clear he's not going to be the main focal point of this offense even when Austin Hooper's not out there. And he's going to continue to be a problem. He's somebody who's been very vocal about wanting to still be traded still at the end of the day. Harrison Bryant is a really nice rookie. There's a lot of things about him. And honestly, I think he's actually more athletic and has more of an upside than Austin Hooper does. And it may not be before too long. I'm not talking about this year, obviously, but it may not be before too long that they realize they want to get out of Austin Hooper's contract so that way they can play the rookie in Harrison Bryant a little bit more. But for your purposes, for week eight purposes, he is going to be a stream-worthy tight end. So somebody to kind of keep your eye out on if you've been looking at that position and looking for anybody, frankly, with a pulse. He's somebody who definitely has a red zone capability heading into week eight. And with them having to buy, it's possible that Austin Hooper comes out in week 10, but not definitive that he'll definitely be back for week 10 as it stands right now. So Harrison Bryant, somebody I would cut ahead and look at if you had a chance to as well. I added Jamichael Hasty to this list just because he played ahead of Jerry McKinnon for two weeks in a row. Kyle Shanahan did come out today and say that it was part of the game plan why McKinnon was not involved. They did not want to overwork him considering the workload that he got thrust into at the beginning of the season because of all the injuries in the first place and that he'll be more involved in the offense moving forward. It just goes to show you that Kyle Shanahan, he just, I tweeted this out earlier today, he hates fantasy football owners. I think he just gets a... I think it's a silent pleasure out of just screwing with fantasy owners and the running back position, quite frankly. That that's truly what I believe. I, I don't because his system works so well with almost any running back out there, I don't think he game plans based on who the best running back is available to him on the roster that's actually healthy. I think he game plans on how can I screw with fantasy owners today? That's that's truly what I think. So Jamichael Hasty becomes he becomes a speculative ad. Because the other guy that I'll bring up here, because he is on the waiver wire report, is Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman's 19% owned. Ted, there is a chance that they've talked about this already. That Tevin Coleman could come back and return this week in Week 8. If for some reason he cannot, though, this backfield will be by default Jarek McKinnon and Jamichael Hasty. And if they are so concerned about McKinnon's workload right now to this point in the season, it stands to reason that Hasty would get maybe at least 40% of the work, if not 50%. Like I said, he's played ahead of McKinnon the past two weeks. We'll assume that Shanahan's not completely lying to us when he says that it was part of the game plan to try to give McKinnon a bit of a rest this week, let's say. We'll assume that's true. 
because Jerry McKinnon is still the best running back when it comes to between him and Jamichael Hasty. So I'm going to tend to believe that that was actually the case. And it just doesn't surprise me that Kyle Shanahan would do something like that either. But he becomes a speculative ad, a possible flex play if Tevin Coleman does not play. Now, on the flip side of that, Tevin Coleman is someone I'm going to be aggressive going after on the waiver wire because if he is going to play, and they're already kind of setting it up as such that he's going to be available for week eight, Tevin Coleman is going to be the starting running back. It'll be Coleman and then McKinnon and then maybe a little sprinkle of hasty here and there. Coleman's going to be the starting running back against Seattle this upcoming week. We saw what kind of a nice game Chase Edmonds has. The 49ers we know are going to focus on the running game more so than Jimmy Garoppolo throwing it all around against the Seattle Seahawks. Expect the 49ers game plan to be more oriented around ball control, keeping the Seattle offense off the field. I believe that's what their game plan is going to be going into it because that's pretty much their game plan against anybody. They want to beat you running the outside zone run. We know how much Kyle Shanahan loves Tevin Coleman. And at this point, there's no reason to believe that Tevin Coleman would not be close to 100% if he's able to practice a full week of practice and is good to go come Sunday. And make sure you're following us on Twitter, on social media, at BellyUpMDFFShow, and we'll keep you up to date throughout the week exactly what his participation and practice is going to be. But if Coleman's going to play as a starting running back against the Seattle Seahawks, we're talking about an RB2, especially when you're talking about the starting running back of the San Francisco 49ers in general, really, unless they have a terrible matchup on their hands, which this is not. So Tevin Coleman, 19% owned, widely available out there to you guys. I will spend a priority on him. I will spend about 35% of my budget on him because also keep in mind that Raheem Moser is out for at least two more weeks, if not more, since he's on the IR. And if Tevin Coleman's performing well, they may not rush Moster back because Coleman's one of the guys that they do lean on, that they do trust to give a decent workload to if given that opportunity to do so. So I'm not going to be afraid to go after Tevin Coleman with some aggression. So we come back down, Carlos Hyde. So Carlos, with, with Chase Edmonds not being less than 50% owned, Carlos Hyde's probably my number one priority Like I said, I know they keep talking about, well, he's dealing with a hamstring issue too. But like I said, I watched this game in its entirety. He was able to go from start to finish since Chris Carson went out. He never came out of the game because of the injury. They definitely didn't lessen his workload. They weren't afraid about giving him a full workload in Chris Carson's absence by any stretch of the means. And we haven't heard anything about him having any kind of a setback or or relapse in his injury. So I'm more of the mindset where they're just kind of talking about it as, yeah, Carlos Hyde has a tight hammy, the same tight hammy he had last week, but really they expect him to play. And if Chris Carson doesn't play, which we're not expecting right now to be the case, that Carlos Hyde will assume the full workload of duties. Travis Homer might get sprinkled in in the passing game here and there. It's kind of what he does. But Carlos Hyde is going to be the guy who brings the thunder. And we saw him this past week, they weren't afraid to throw him the football either. And he was able to contribute in that capacity. So he's somebody who's looking at a solid RB2 performance. He's only 5% owned right now. He's another guy I'm going after. Now, in Carlos Hyde's case, though, I might not be as aggressive as I would be trying to get Tevin Coleman as far as fad budget goes. I would use my top priority on him. And if I needed a win this week, if I just needed a win this week, and I'm not so worried about rest of the season, but I need to make sure that I win this week, I would rather take Carlos Hyde than Tevin Coleman heading into this matchup given that I, the workload that I expect for sure out of Carlos Hyde. However, if you're looking at rest of season and you're looking for guys that have a little bit more value past just this week, it would be Tevin Coleman. And that speaks to the fab budget as well. 
where I would go 35% to Tevin Coleman, I would probably stick to 25-30% on a guy like Carlos Hyde because there's a very real chance that it winds up being a one-week rental given what we know now about the Chris Carson midfoot sprain. So I'm not going to go crazy killing my fab budget over a guy who's going to be a one-week rental. But when it comes to priority, I would probably pick up Carlos Hyde before Tevin Coleman if I needed a win this week. We know Coleman, even when Raheem Mostert comes back, he'll have a bit of a role within this offense. It'll be those two heading up the backfield again. And given the way Raheem Mostert has been getting hurt nonstop this season, it would stand to reason that it could just be a matter of time before Coleman gets his shot to be the number one lead back again. So at some point this year. So he has more rest of season value in that sense. So it all depends on your roster construction, where you're at in the standings, and what you need at the moment. We move on to Jalen Rager. He was activated off the IR today. So that's the good news. He has 21 days to play, basically, uh, to be completely activated off the IR. I do believe he's going to play within the next three weeks, essentially. Whether it's this week or not, I'm not so sure about. It might be, I think week nine is a more plausible return for Jalen Rager, and that stays in line with the original timeline that he had as well. But they need Jalen Rager. Deshaun Jackson out probably for the rest of the season, if not close to it. Alshon Jeffrey might be making his return, possibly, but they keep talking about wanting to trade him anyway. Travis Fulgham's going to be their big body guy, going to probably be their number one target. But you saw that game against the, the Giants. They were so happy to have Deshaun Jackson back, to have his speed, to have his capabilities, to have his dimension of what he brings to the offense. They need that. Without that, they have nothing to threaten you with down the field on a consistent basis. Jalen Rager is going to step right into that role with Deshaun Jackson pretty much out for the rest of the year at this point. So I expect him to be a guy who's going to be a major hit or miss boomer bust wide receiver four that you're going to be able to plug in and try to take and try to swing for the fences with in any given week that you needed to. They have some nice matchups coming up. They still have all their NFC East matchups besides one game to Washington and one game to the Giants. They got the Dallas Cowboys next week. Again, I don't really expect him to be back next week. But Carson Wentz is playing much better than he did in the beginning of the season. No Zach Ertz. Still no Dallas Goddard. Maybe not until week 10 from what we're hearing. They need Jalen Rager. When he comes back, he is going to be their big play threat. He's going to have fantasy value. And I think if you pick him up now, you don't have to spend that much to get him. I wouldn't spend more than 10% of my fab budget to get him in the first place. Because he's still not going to be a guy who's going to be, he's not going to be seeing a consistent six to eight targets. It's going to be more around the four or five target range. It's going to be a matter of did you hit that big play on that one or not. And I'm not spending a top priority on him either. But he is somebody who I'm going to add if I can afford to stash him right now at this point. Remember, he's still technically listed on the IR, technically listed as out. So you could probably plug him into your IR spots. I know most leagues have them at this point, especially this year. Another 49ers wide receiver, another 49ers player, I should say, Brandon Ayuk. Debo Samuel, he went down with a hamstring issue. He's going to be out for at least a few weeks from what they are saying. Brandon Ayuk had a really nice game there against the New England Patriots, especially this week. He's going up against the Seattle Seahawks. There's a real chance that he's going to be a low-end wide receiver three, high-end wide receiver four for me. We know what wide receivers can do against the Seattle Seahawks no matter who they are, no matter what they're doing. And if he's going to be the only receiver left, kind of like it was in the beginning of the year, we know he's going to be heavily involved in the offense. He's already been getting himself more involved in the offense even when Debo Samuel came back. Because now he'll get the end around plays that Debo Samuel kind of taking away from him, and he'll get the targets by default. 
There's nobody else in this team besides George Kittle that really offers a threat when it comes to the 49ers passing attack. So they're going to lean on Brandon Ayuk. There's a nice matchup coming up. There's a real chance you're going to be able to play him this week in your flex play. I would think about if I'm in the bottom half of my league when it comes to priority and I need a wide receiver, I need a flex play this week, I'm going to think about Brandon Ayuk. I'm going to think about spending about 15%, possibly maybe maybe 20 of my fad budget on Ayuk with Debo Samuel missing at least a few more weeks. And being that he's now dealing with the Jones fracture, still coming back from that and getting back into game shape, now he's going to be dealing with the hamstring issue on top of it, something that could very easily flare up again. Brian Ayuk could wind up being closer to being the number one wide receiver for the 49ers the rest of the season, frankly. So I'm going to be somewhat aggressive in going after him. I'm not spending if I have top five priorities, say. I'm not going to go after him with that. But somebody who's very interesting if you need a flex play this week and only 20% owned on average. This next guy, I feel like I've talked about him in a number of weeks, especially when the matchup was right, and that's Teddy Bridgewater. Going to get to play the Atlanta Falcons on Thursday night. I mean, need I say more? The Atlanta Falcons, no matter who the quarterback has been, has been a top streaming option. Even Matthew Stafford, who didn't quite have the game that I was hoping for out of him, was still a very good option to throw out there. Was still a top 12 quarterback this past week. And they didn't even throw the ball that much. Carolina's been throwing the ball over the place no matter who they play. Teddy Bridgewater just had a nice game against the New Orleans Saints, who, even though their defense has been incredibly disappointing to this point, is still you know a million times better than the Atlanta Falcons' defense is at the moment. Thursday night's games, they tend to be a little bit more high-scoring, especially this season. I see no reason why this game can't quite possibly be a shootout. I see no reason why Teddy Bridgewater is not able to give you at least 20 points. He's going to be a top-12 quarterback for us this week. I can already tell you that. He's going to be a top streamer for us. He's only 30% owned on average. If you've been streaming quarterback, you're playing Teddy Bridgewater against the Atlanta Falcons this week. I'm going to tell you that right now. Sterling Shepard. Now, this one's kind of a loaded bag. This one's not for necessarily this week because they have a tough matchup on Monday night. But he's only 37% owned. Golden Tate is just a guy. Golden Tate is just a body at this point. He's not really involved. Even when it was just him and Darius Slayton, he was pretty much a ghost. Sterling Shepard comes in. It's going to be Shepard and Slayton getting the majority of the targets on a team. It's going to be having to come back from behind and throw the ball a ton especially in the second half. But if Don, Devonta Freeman is going to be banged up, if he's going to miss this game, which is quite possible, Wayne Gallman's, frankly, his best skill set is in the receiving game as well. So there might be more of an emphasis to start throwing the ball early and often out of the Giants than we have seen yet this season. They may not wait until they're down three scores to start doing so. In game scripts like that, in which they're going to see themselves in more, more times than not, Sterling Shepard is going to be a guy, especially talking about half-point, full-point PPR leagues, he's going to have a high floor. He's going to see seven to eight targets a game, possibly more. So is Darius Slayton. So I believe that you could pick up Sterling Shepard and have a guy on your hands who's a low-end wide receiver three, high-end wide receiver four territory with a high floor. Not necessarily high ceiling, but a high floor. And will, of course, be matchup dependent. But definitely something of note who's available out there on the waiver wire who's going to be seeing a significant amount of targets on a weekly basis. Again, not spending a top priority on him, not spending a ton of fab on him. He doesn't have the ceiling where I would want to do that. And there are other wide receivers that we just talked about who I would probably rather take the shot on depending on what I need on my rosters more to begin with. But it is somebody that I don't think anybody is uberly excited to go after given this New York Giants offense, given the way Daniel Jones has played, and given that Sterling Shepard has really only had one game so far this season where he's been anything because he's been hurt so often. So I think you can get him for free. 
This next guy is more of a speculative ad than anything else. He's more of a guy that if you are in a great position in your leagues, if you have a winning record, if you have a roster spot in which you can just stash a player for a just-in-case situation, that's what this player is. And his name's Zach Moss, also only 37% owned on average. I'm not, again, I'm not spending a priority on him. I'm not spending a ton of fab on him, if, if any. If I can get it for free, I would, and I think you could. But after this past week, it's clear that the Buffalo Bills simply do not trust Devin Singletary. It looked like it was back to where it was week one with these two, where it was a 50-50 split, essentially. I just would not be surprised if Zach Moss at some point took over this job. We're getting closer to winter. It's going to be in Buffalo. Zach Moss is the bigger back. He's the guy who will be more likely to wear teams down. And, frankly, has been the more efficient back between the two so far this season on a per-touch basis. So Zach Moss is somebody that I'm not saying is going to happen this week. I don't know when or I don't even know if it would happen. But if Devin Singletary got hurt or if Zach Moss were to overtake him at some point because the Bills clearly don't fully trust giving Devin Singletary a full workload, he could be an RB3. He could, that's why he's a speculative ad if you're in the right situation. Because you can't be depending on the play Zach Moss anytime soon until you actually see that come to fruition. But a speculative ad for down the road. Sammy Watkins is somebody I want to talk about. Now, I, I don't expect him back this week. And I'm not putting him on the waiver wire report because I suggest that he will be. He's only 40% owned on average. But he is somebody that we've seen now with the Chiefs offense. Miko Harmon's not going to overtake this job. Now, he was better against the Broncos than he was the first week Sammy Watkins was out. But they are doing nothing different than they did last year when Watkins got hurt, which is rotate Hardman and Robinson and Pringle. And when Watkins comes back, he'll be looking at eight targets a game in a Kansas City Chiefs offense. And he'll be a low-end wide receiver three. And he was actually playing pretty well before he went down with a hamstring injury this year. It wasn't it wasn't Sammy Watkins of last year where he was getting the target share but still wasn't giving you much. He had some pretty solid games. He established himself as the short-range guy. He established himself as somebody that Patrick Mahomes was willing to go to in the red zone, too. So he's just another guy who I think has that wide receiver 3-4 territory that you can pick up. If you can put him on your IR, if you have that open spot, go ahead and stash him. Because he's somebody who could be valuable to you guys down the stretch. You want pieces of this Chiefs offense, no matter where they come from, frankly. And it just solidified that with these past two weeks that it's Hardman nor Robinson are really going to establish themselves to overtake Watkins at least this season. We move on to my next guy. I talked about him in the Sunday night recap, Christian Kirk. 47% only, just came under that 50% threshold. They're going into a bye week. So in that sense, I don't think you have to pay up to get Christian Kirk. You might even be able to get him for free because they're going into the bye week and he doesn't have that I got to own name coming out. But if you're looking at a week nine where a lot of teams are on bye, week 10, you're in the playoff race, you need a guy that you can plug and play as someone who's a home run threat who might be able to win you a week as a sleeper play there, as your flex, as your wide receiver three, Christian Kirk's going to be that guy. Like I said, five touchdowns in the last three games. He's getting worked in as the second wide receiver to DeAndre Hopkins in an offense that's going to be primarily throw first. So I like Christian Kirk quite a bit. And I think, like I said, because you luck out because you're going into the bye, I think now's the time to pick him up because now you can get him cheap. I don't think you have to spend a priority on him. I don't think you have to spend fab budget on him. You can get him this week. If you can afford the roster spot, do it. 
They come out and play Miami Week 9. That's a game in which you could probably play Christian Kirk as a wide receiver 3. Last but not least, and I would pick up this quarterback over Teddy Bridgewater if I'm looking for one for the rest of the season, but Joe Burrow. 48% owned. Surprised to see that given how he has played. And after this past week against Cleveland, you better believe he'll be well over 50% owned. Now, there's still games coming up in his schedule like the Pittsburgh Steelers, like the Baltimore Ravens, that I'm going to want nothing to do with. I'm not going to want to play him in those games because the offensive line is just too bad. He's going to get teed off on like he did the first time around against those two teams. But for the most part, I think you're going to be able to play Joe Burrow with the exception of those two matchups as a top 12 quarterback. The volume's there. He's been playing great. He has good weapons to be able to go to. Joe Mixon will be back sooner rather than later. So Joe Burrow, I would I would take him over Teddy Bridgewater if I was looking for a quarterback for the rest of the season. If you're just looking for a, a win this week, I'll probably have Bridgewater ranked a little bit ahead because it's the Atlanta Falcons that they're playing against. But Joe Burrow is the guy I want to have because I think he has top 12 quarterback potential rest of the year. I'm going after Joe Burrow in this one. And I'm willing to spend a priority if I've been streaming quarterback. I'm willing to spend 15 20% of my fad budget if I've been streaming quarterback. And I've been looking for somebody to give me that solidification, if you will, sturdiness from a week-to-week basis, for the most part at least, at that position. I think you get that with Joe Burrow. I think you got to go after him because of that reason. That wraps it up for the waiver wire report. That wraps it up for the show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. I hope you guys are going to have some interesting nuggets for your lineups going into this week. Remember, we're back on Thursday from 12 to 1.30 on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network on your Android app or WWSRN on iOS. Of course, we'll be back on Friday at 12 to 1.30 as well. Thursday, we'll be previewing the early window of games for Week 8, including the Thursday night game, getting you up to date on the injury reports and letting you know exactly where we value everybody heading into their matchups. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Make sure you're following us on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow for Twitter and Facebook, especially on Twitter. Get those notification alerts up because we'll be updated there with the player news update notifications at all times. We always do a mailbag segment on Thursdays and Fridays. Very easy to get on. You hit us up on social media with your question, your comment, your concern, whatever the case may be, and we'll talk about it here on the show. And even if we don't, I'll make sure you get a good answer, a good analytical answer to be able to take with you when deciding your dilemmas for your fantasy football matchups. We're getting down to the nitty-gritty. We're getting down to the playoff race. It's time to buckle your seatbelts and giddy up because things are about to get real dicey real fast for your leagues as we get into playoff contention. So everybody, make sure you're tuning in to our show the Belly MD's Fantasy Football Show on Thursday, 12 o'clock to 1.30. We'll see you then. Everyone, stay safe and have a lovely day. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.